You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. There's a thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And FOMO can hit anybody at any time where you think, oh, if I'm not there, I may miss something really important that's happened or or could happen or might happen. And if you're in a group of friends and someone tells a story and you weren't there for the story, sometimes, maybe, you tell the story as if you were there. FOMO. Let me tell you something about praise and worship. Formal. You've got to get a fear of missing out of what God might do at the start of the meeting that He might not do at the end of the meeting. You've got to get a little bit of formal that you shouldn't be late for church because what if God moved on? Like, like we don't program it so God moves at the end. Hey God, if you could turn up for the appeal, that'd be brilliant. Rest of the time, we're okay. We can handle that. No, no, we're looking for the moment of encounter right from the moment we walk into the building because encounter can happen in the foyer over a coffee as much as it can happen at the front when you're on your knees. Encounter can happen in the praise as much as it can happen in the worship. We are not getting the fast songs out of the way. We're encountering the Lord in the fullness of all of it does. And part of that is these two sacraments that we're going to talk about this morning. When things happen in our lives, uh, because of the culture that we are now in, we immediately have a camera on us and we take a picture. I don't know if you saw the picture this week um, of a guy called Phil Knight, who is the founder of Nike. And it's the moment that LeBron James scores his final basket, not his final basket, scores a basket in basketball and becomes the highest ever point scorer in NBA history. And at that point, there's all these people with a camera and Phil Knight has got his arms folded just in the moment. He's not caught in capturing the moment. He's caught in the moment in being in the moment. We have this ability to pull out our phone and take a picture. But when it's something really significant, a picture's not enough. Like really significant, a picture doesn't do it for us. I have two things, on, well, I have a number of things on my desk, but two of the things that I keep on my desk at home, uh, one is a fountain pen and the other is a pair of RAF wings. And then my grandparents, oh, because I keep one to remind me of my grandma and I keep the wings to remind my granddad because they're not here. I don't have a photo because I remember what they look like, but the thing symbolises them. You leave school, well, if, even now, if you leave primary school or even nursery, you get a leaver's hoodie. You know, we kind of didn't happen in my generation. We get a leave us hoodie at nursery, primary school, secondary school, sixth form college. Uh, we should do some for Audacious College. Um, you get a leave us hoodie and everybody gets this on and you see people wearing them for years later because it, it symbolises something. You don't know all those names on the back of your hoodie anymore, but the hoodie symbolises, the, the ring symbolises something. 
I do carry a picture of my wife around because it's on my phone. But the ring symbolises something. The sacraments that we're going to talk about are symbols that remind us of a truth. And, and we do these things because they matter to us. They, they aren't the event. They aren't what happened. They are the reminder of what happened. And when we do these things, it, makes, it gives us an outward visible sign of an inward significant thing. I hold that pen and I use it most days. And most days I think of my nana. I put on this ring and every time I put on this ring in the morning, I think of my wife. I put on certain jackets or watches that someone gave me and I think of them. They're not there. Well, my wife sometimes is. But they're not there. But I think of them. For the Christian faith, the symbol of our faith is the cross. But that didn't occur till nearly the fourth century. So it wasn't the cross at first that symbolised being a follower of Jesus. It was these sacraments. And those two sacraments that we talk about as Protestant Pentecostals, our two sacraments are water baptism and communion. And in our services today, we're going to do both things. Hopefully you've got communion cup and um, wafer when you came in. And in our second service, we're going to be baptising people. Now, the thing with this is, there are other sacraments that other people think is, this is important thing. But for us, it's only these two. This is what we're passionate about. Because they symbolise the most important thing to us. When we lose track of the symbol, we forget the thing that is behind it. And that's why there is a constant ongoing reminder. In the early church, they didn't use the word sacrament. They used the word, it's the Greek word mysterio, meaning mystery. Greek sometimes is much easier than you think it is. Mysterio, and it literally means a sacred mystery of the faith, that baptism's odd, isn't it? Like, if you're used to it, it feels okay, but stop and think about it. In our second service, a number of people are going to walk to the front, they're going to wear matching t-shirts. Like, when else do you wear matching t-shirts with people? And then they're going to get into a pool and they're going to have to kneel down because the pool's all sit down because the pool's not, not that deep. And, th and then in front of all of us, we're going to put it on the screen, televise it, and, uh, and they're going to go under the water and out of the water. We all clap and cheer and they get out. Come on, that's not normal. If that happened at work, you would be going, there's something strange about this workplace. Yeah, welcome to work. Just get in that pool. And that's just communion. It, it's not what we're doing it's what it means. Sacrament comes from the word, it's the Latin. When Latin became the predominant language, sacramentum, a term originally meant as the pledge of a Roman soldier to be loyal to what they had committed to. So when we take our sacraments, we are making an ongoing recommitment to what we've decided to be loyal to. But let me try and define sacrament a little bit better. Sacraments are visible signs, demonstrations 
of someone being consecrated or set apart for Jesus. When you get baptised, it is a visible sign. When you take communion, it is a visible sign of what it is doing. St. Augustine said this, each sacrament possesses a visible sign and a word that explained the nature of the divine grace received through it. The visible sign and the word. We'll pick those up in just a minute. So let's talk about baptism for a few minutes, okay? Baptism. There's a few things I do regret in life. Well, there's a number of things I regret in life. One of them involved fireworks. In fact, two of them involved fireworks. One of them we never talk about. But one of them, we set, so I was at theological college and set off some fireworks one night. It was a residential college and, you know, in the middle of nowhere, it's pretty boring. And we set off some fireworks and they, 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 they hit the window of a girl who thought the Lord had come back and left her behind. <laughs> she cried for nearly a week. I don't know if she was relieved or, or upset. I don't quite know what it was, but that was, that was definitely my fault. I slightly regretted that because I did upset her a little bit. And... Um, it's quite amusing now that I'm part of running that college. How <laughs> does that happen? Um, so you kind of look at that and then there's things like this. But one of the things is when I got baptised, I got baptised because my friends got baptised. I didn't quite get what I was doing and why. I'd love to have gone back and done it again, but I don't, you don't need to do it again. It should be a one-off moment that you do. So let me try and walk us through this. Baptism begins in the Old Testament. Anytime there is a sign in the Old Testament of the power of water, You've got to flash your brain to baptism. When we think of Noah's ark, God is saving people through the water. When you get to the story of Moses as the baby, that Moses as the baby is placed into the basket. Do you know what the Hebrew word for basket was? Ark. So they put him into the ark and there he goes through the water. When the people of Israel escape Egypt, when they get out of slavery and they get into freedom, they go through the water. When God's people get out of the wilderness and they get into the promise, they go through the water. You see, when we're baptising, we're not doing something that just started at the beginning of the New Testament. We're doing something that God ordained from the beginning of time, that God set up so that we could understand that something has happened. And this symbolises what God has done. We've got to get to baptism. We've got to talk to the Baptist. John, in Matthew chapter 3, it says this in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist, clues in the name, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's not quite talking about Jesus yet, but he knows something's coming. This is who who has spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the Jordan River. And then get this, just, just hold this for a minute, right? When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to him, where he was baptising, he said to them, this the religious people, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Hey, that's really important for us. 
John won't baptise them, the outward sign, until something's happened inside them. Until there is fruit in their lives, evidence that they're repenting, the baptism is ineffective because the inside hasn't changed. Baptism occurs after the inside has changed. I've been going to church pretty much my whole life and I've seen some great baptism moments. I remember we were in church and, and it used to be that baptism tanks were built into the platform. And I remember one, one morning sitting in church, one of the elders is walking across the front of the platform, missteps and goes fully into the tank. He was an elderly elder. He was fully suited and booted because that's what elders did. And then this pair of hands appeared. And then a meerkat kind of popped its head up with his glasses. And we had to help this elderly gentleman out of the pool. I remember uh, when Paul and I were kids and uh, we were in a church together and uh, they used to say at the end of the baptism service, would anybody here like to get baptised? And most times the answer was no, but one time this one guy shouts out, I would! And he was right at the back and he started running down the aisle and by the time he got halfway down the aisle, his top was off and he was trying to get his trousers down. They had to wrestle him. Hospitality team had to wrestle him to the ground before he was ready to throw himself into the pool. But my favourite moment, I was a youth pastor. My favourite moment was we were baptising the guy. He got saved a few weeks earlier. He'd go in, in that process of discipleship and in that process of discipleship, you get baptised because that's what we do. Sorry, can I say that again? We get baptised because that's what we do. We don't get baptised when we feel like it. We don't think to ourselves, oh, I hope I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. Listen, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, if He is your Lord and Saviour, if you have confessed your sins and you've given your life to Him, you are in the process of discipleship. And we want you to get baptised because the change has already happened on the inside. You're now acknowledging it on the outside. So this guy's getting baptised and uh, he was the world heavyweight karate champion at the time. He was also a male model. He'd come to church in a full tracksuit and, and we hadn't paid enough attention. So when we called his name, he stood up from the front row, took his tracksuit pants down and he's wearing a pair of shorts, thank the Lord. And then he peels off his top and he's wearing a, what can only be described as a posing vest. He is ripped. The congregation is utterly silent. And then this female voice floats from the back. Whoa. I gotta tell you, I'm the youth pastor. Everything in me wants to say something. And my senior pastor grabbed my arm and he said, say not a word. <laughs> Baptism. Uh, Baptism. Let's, let's get real practical. Number one, this is what baptism. It is for all who believe. And say it again, it's not for when you're ready. 
It's not for when you feel like it. It's if you really believe. If you understand this change has happened on the inside because I've given my life to Jesus, then this is for you. This is not for you to think about, wait about, consider. It's not for when you can get the most people together. It's for all of us. It happens publicly. And it happens publicly because it is a declaration of what you have decided. You are showing in the most complete way possible that you have died with Christ, that your sin, the life you had before has gone, that you have died with Him and that you have risen with Him. So the life you had, you have left it behind. You don't leave it behind in the water. You left it behind when you made the decision to follow Him. You are showing everybody that that is what you have done. The Word defines the sign. A little bit more Greek for you. Baptizo. I told you this stuff was easy. Baptizo. It means to plunge, to sink into, to drench, to overwhelm. That's, that's why we do what we do. We follow the biblical story of baptism. The, the, when Noah went through the waters, it, it wasn't like floating on a pond. When Moses went along the Nile, he has been launched out into that raging river. When the people went through the water, it was built up on both sides of them. And when we get baptised, we go under to symbolise death. And we come out new, washed, clean, restored, forgiven, set up for all God wants us to be. It is a visible sign. The third thing is this, is the words explain what happens. Jesus tells us that we are to go baptising people into the name. That phrase, into the name, means into the worship and service. But that's what we do. You're not getting baptised, you're not joining the church. You're getting baptised into the name, the worship and service of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. When you get baptised, you're declaring, this is whose I am. I am the Father's, I am the Son's, and I am the Holy Spirit's. This is whose I am. The water is a sign that we've been covered over, that our sin has been dealt with on the cross. It is a symbol of death and life. Paul puts it like this in Romans. Let me read you these few verses. Don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into His death? We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too live a new life. If we've been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. Because listen, baptism isn't just talking about what has happened to you. It's talking about what will happen to you. That we're celebrating a day that is to come when Jesus returns and He brings all of His people back and raises them to life to be with Him. We're speaking of then, we're speaking of now and we're speaking of the future because God is as passionate about your future as He is about dealing with your past. And baptism shows people, right now I'm going under but there was a time when I have left this behind and there will be a time when I'm not just going to be raised slightly damp but I'm going to be raised whole and complete in all the glory that God meant me to be when I was first created. 
If we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe we also live with Him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Listen, grab this. You cannot die again to your sin. Death has no longer got mastery over you. Let me declare over your life and how you live. Sin no longer has mastery over you. He has given you the power. He has given you the authority. He has given you the strength to rebuke those things and to set them back from you. And when we get baptised, we are declaring, this thing can't hold me down. This thing can't keep me under. This thing can't stop me from being all that God has called me to be. Baptism is the sign that explains the mystery of how we're saved. Communion, here we go, nine minutes. Communion. Communion, I think, here's my danger with communion. Familiarity breeds contempt. So I want you to approach communion for the next 10 minutes like you've never taken it. That you've never thought about it. That this isn't a little bit of juice. Listen, we use disposables out of convenience. Communion is the least disposable thing there is. On the night of his betrayal, Jesus is eating the Passover meal. If you know your Bible at all, then you will know that back in the book of Exodus, when God was setting his people free from slavery, and that's a picture of sin, when he was setting them free from slavery, he would send the angel through, through Egypt and that moment, the, the Israelites had to put some lamb's blood on the door of their home so that the angel would pass over the home. Jesus. John describes Jesus at his baptism as this, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the lamb is explaining how sin is taken from the world. And he sat with his closest followers and friends. The Passover lamb is eating the Passover meal. Like the one who is about to give his life and is explaining how they remember what he's about to do. How we remember what he's about to do. He's talking it through. Here he is, our Passover lamb. He's about to be sacrificed. So he's giving them a sign and words so that they can remember the importance of this. Matthew chapter 26, and we read just one of the narratives where we pick this up and Jesus says this, and, and if you've been in church, don't let the familiarity hit you. Listen, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. This is my blood of the covenant. This is my promise. I am sealing my promise by giving my life. I am sealing my promise by my broken body and my poured out blood because they'd always needed blood to be shed in order for a promise to be kept. But this is the last time that blood will need to be shed for a promise to be kept. There's never another time that something's got to die for forgiveness. Jesus' death is a one time, for all time death. So he's saying, hey, I'm, you're gonna, I'm gonna teach you something. 
So you don't go back to an old way of trying to find forgiveness, but you realise this is the only way. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It was confusing for the early church communion. They were accused of all sorts of things, love feasts, cannibalism. They were accused of believing that when they ate it, they thought they were actually eating Jesus' body. There was lots of misunderstanding here. So let me just take the five simple words that help us to understand communion. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. Number one, it is commemorative. Do this in remembrance of me. It's about Jesus. Communion is not about you. It's about Jesus first. It's about who is He to you? Who, who is He to the world? It is commemorative. Secondly, it identifies us. The word we use is atonement. Atonement meaning that we're made one with Jesus. One body, one blood. That this new covenant, new promise makes us one with Him. A common union. A communion with Him. See, communion is a community moment. When we take it in just a few moments time, if you if come to church by yourself, please don't take communion alone. Because we're, we're celebrating one body, one blood. If someone sat near you, sat by themselves, please ask them to take communion with you because we're one family. Thirdly, it's inspirational. Because what we're doing is we're in drinking the blood and eating, in drinking the blood, in drinking the juice and eating the bread, we are entering by faith all the benefits of Jesus' death, life, resurrection and ascension. So when I'm taking this, I am believing for uh, the, the incredible power of forgiveness of sins to be at work in this room. I'm believing that God is going to work healing moments because it's through His death on the cross that actually healing is purchased for us. So I'm believing that in that moment, there will be healing as we take communion, you see, we're not just drinking something and eating something, we're exercising faith in the one who died. Fourthly, it's thanksgiving. Uh, the Anglican word for communion that they use is the Eucharist, literally the thanksgiving service. It is a moment to pause and say thank you. Not to rush on by into the next thing, but to stop and to thank the Lord. But also, fifthly, it is a moment of fellowship that we believe for a miracle because the Bible says when two or three gather together, there He is in the midst. So when you gather in that communion moment, the Lord gathers with you. And I believe He wants to work miracles this morning in people's lives and situations. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 